0: Welcome to Gender Nebula Season 2, Episode 3. And um, We've got an extra special guest today. It's the lovely Susie Green. Uh, you might know her as the CEO of Mermaids and uh, mother to a trans daughter and uh, all round good egg, really. So I'd like Susie to introduce herself a little bit and uh, obviously we know you from mermaids and there's been a lot of changes recently so how did that get how did you get involved in mermaids initially what was the first kind of word you heard about them
1: well mermaids was the first telephone number that I found online so Mm. 24 years ago I'm not allowed to talk about my daughter's age otherwise she tells me off but I can be like 24 years ago um, actually, no, go back two more. So when she was four years old, um, she was assigned male at birth, first first kid. Um, I was in my mid-twenties. And mm-hmm. when she was four years old, she told me that God had made a mistake and she should have been a girl. And mm-hmm. kind of shocked me, but didn't at the same time. So at that point, I told her it was okay to be, boy and like girl stuff but that didn't make her a girl but she just kept reiterating it and saying mm. this is who I am she kept telling me she was a girl so when she was six she asked me when she could have the operation and it was at that point that I went right okay I need to do something mm. about this I can't just keep telling her that she's she's a boy and suck it up almost that I need yeah. to do something because yeah. also that constant reiteration of you're not a girl was actually making her miserable yeah so I did some, um, I did a Ask Jeeves search, shows how old I am, gosh. That's, <laughs> that's going
0: back high. a bit. That's going wow. back a
1: long time. Um, and it was when Modems did that like crackly sound, oh, as wow. you, you know, that bing <laughs> bing sound.
0: Pre-serve. Yeah.
1: Yes, and I basically typed in my son wants to be a girl and mm. Mermaids was one of the websites that came up and mm. it was, one of two that had a phone number but it was the only site that actually talked about trans kids so I called um called and spoke to one of the founder members and Mm. it was the first person that I spoke to who understood what I was talking about got what I was saying and also Mm. just the relief of knowing
0: that somebody's somebody's there for you
1: somebody's there and it took mm-hmm. me a while to sort of pluck up the courage. You know, I waited until the evening when, you know, it was quiet. Nobody else was around. So I could I could make the call without yeah. kind of feeling that, you know, I was under scrutiny. But,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, it was... It-
1: yeah,
0: yeah so I think there's a lot of misconceptions about mermaids because if honestly, if you're on Twitter and you're in, but mermaids is just like a, a support group, really, isn't it? It's n- there's no medical side to it. You don't just prescribe anything. I just get this out the way right now because I know people will have that that. They, well, they I, do think, think I can that.
3: give you the, the the official line. Okay, it's a uh, an advocacy organization for gender variant and transgender youth, helping gender diverse kids, young people, and the families. Since 1995. No, so, so that, I mean that's the official website now, definition.
0: So I wish when I was gosh when I was six or seven or you know I can remember having those conversations with my mom, but my my mom just you know so well go and play with your sister. <laughs> you know that was like that was how she dealt because I'm I'm the youngest of seven. You know, and uh and so 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 that would have been different for me. But I think if I'd have had that something like mermaids, I mean mom could have found out something for me because like obviously at school skills are terrible you know especially when i was at school um so i think it's it's really good work what mermaids do uh, and uh, you know like i like i'm i'm saying this because i know people have all these preconceptions about it because the fir- obviously the first time i heard about mermaids was because of the negativity because of like certain vexatious people that that believe these
3: conspiracy theories so I think we should I think we should just point out that um Susie is no longer the CEO of Mermaid, she's the former CEO of Mermaid. She currently works for Gender GP. So I just want to make sure that, that that is everybody's aware of that.
1: Yeah, early in 2023. So there was a there was a couple of months in in the middle. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um so if we just if we should just go through some of the kind of the major events that happened while you were at Mermaids. Um, some of them were I guess the word is difficult or controversial. Um, but I'll I'll let you kind of talk us through it. Um, so the, the first thing I've got on my list here is 2017, Mermaids reported that its volunteers have been victims of online harassment. So I know I know later later on as well there was a lot of harassment going on of your volunteers, but I didn't what I didn't realise was that this was going on way back in twenty seventeen as well.
1: Um, I mean, you've got to remember that like Mermaids has been in in existence since 1995. I didn't start Mermaids. Mermaids was already there as an organization. It was a very small parent support group. Um, When I joined, I joined as a parent. Then I became a trustee. Then I became chair. And at the beginning of 2016, um, I became like the first member of staff as the CEO. Um, Up until that point, it was an entirely voluntary organization. But I think one of the reasons that we made the step change to having paid staff was because of the the volume of volume calls, of <laughs> emails, et cetera, was coming in. And mm. I put in some tech in sort of 2013 um, where I looked at how many calls we were answering. Now, bearing in mind that I made my first phone call like 24 years ago and got through straight away. When I then found out in 2013-14 sort of that we were only answering 7% of calls because mm. of the numbers yeah. coming through and the fact that we didn't have, like mm. uh, it was all the trustees who were all parents of trans kids doing the work in and around families, kids, mm. work itself, you know. So, you know, I would do a couple of nights uh, a week. One of the other, um, the founder member that I spoke to, she would do a few hours during the day. Um, And we did did sort of bits around what we could. And actually what we realized when I put that tech in to actually see what was happening is how many people we were failing Mm. um, that were desperate to talk to us. And I remembered what it felt like as, you know, a parent plucking up that courage to pick up the phone and Mm -hmm. talk to somebody about what was happening and how could I help my kid. If I'd have just not got through to somebody or I don't know whether I would have tried again. I mean, I don't know what what Mm. what would history be like. I'm, I'm sure I would have eventually managed to make contact but yeah. you know seven percent of calls being answered is pretty mm. poor mm. and so I went to the board at the time and said I think we need to consider either saying we can't do this because the volume is too high and and not saying that we're providing this service because we clearly weren't or mm. we step up mm. so we look at changing the organization, funding. get funding look to get corporate funding, look to try to to engage more with um, Mm -hmm. service users and get donations in um, and actually put ourselves into a position where we had paid staff members. We could then do things like training, volunteers, that kind of thing, to be supported by staff members and things. So I was a first member of staff at the beginning of 2016. Mm -hmm. And I think we had enough money in the bank to pay me for about four months. Mm -hmm. And... I left my job of 15 years at Leeds Citizens Advice Bureau to Mm. sort of take a leap of faith to to doing it. Um, And yeah, I'm obviously very, very glad I did. And Mermaids is, you know, sort of has gone from strength to strength and is now supporting Mm. literally thousands of families and young people every year and is Mm. hugely, um, you know, Mm. important to so many uh, of those people. But I was just before trying to. Think before, 2007, I, so, yeah. before 2017, you know, we weren't really people mm. didn't know about us.
0: Yeah, and, and you're and, quite unique. You're like the only people doing it. It's like that was that's one of the issues I yeah, think. That's a good point. There's not many, be, not many because people. you become you become the focus of everything when you're the only person doing something. So it's not the pro- I don't know. Maybe I'm just I just don't know. Maybe there are other smaller groups and other that we are not aware of, but you tend to find that these people don't want to broadcast. They want to be, keep their families private. It's not something they want to go into the media and talk about because when they do, uh, they tend to get played, don't they? I mean, I'm sure you've had phone calls to go on TV shows, be on investigative journalists, things and things like that. But I think, uh, like with my experience with the media, it's kind of like it's, it's a forced impact, isn't it? You, you've got to be really careful what you agree to.
2: So
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the first negative media attack against us was in 2017. Mm-hmm. Victoria, you mentioned that. And I just remember yeah. is obviously nothing like that ever happened to us before. And we were open about, you know, I was part of the 2016 stakeholder group that looked at the service specification for the Tavistock, which is a gender identity service for for children and young people. And so you know we were engaged we were, were you know we talked to the Tavistock on behalf of our service users we represented them with regards to issues that they were you know experiencing we um you know we were supporting thousands of people by this point yeah um, was, there, was, it was there a
3: massive increase in the number of people who were coming to the charity yeah it was a big, a big we impact. saw
1: it just go up and yeah. up so um, does- and you sometimes wonder Did it go up and up because we actually put more resource into it as Mm. we got, you know, as we managed, as I managed to secure some grants to get some additional staffing that then meant we could train up volunteers. So was it because people then started to find out about us, but then I think the thing that really drove people to us was the very thing that like the, the press attacks. So the first, the first press attack was in 2017 yeah. And immediately following each of the attacks against us, we saw our service yeah. user base grow yeah. because yeah, people because might not aware. have known because they yeah. became aware. and so Because we were the only ones that they were going after.
3: Mm. So, the, yeah, so there's kind of a more awareness to everybody, and I think that's probably what drove the numbers, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah mine too. And then in 2018, there was that amazing um, butterfly series that you did with ITV. Yeah. That was, that was really good. I, I watched that at the time and that was that was pretty much around the time when I was coming out. So it really actually it really helped me and I know other people who have, you know, yeah. spoken about it and how much it helped them because it was, you know, um Anna Friel is one of my favorite actresses and mm. she was really good in that series. And it was it was such a touching kind of story and I saw lots of myself in it. Mm. You know, it was really it was really kind of helpful for me. I'll have to see that. I so, must admit, I've not seen. Yeah, you it. should need to, to watch think. that, reader. It really good. The, the it, only
0: thing I know about Anna Friel, really, she did the first ever lesbian kiss.
3: She's been loads of yeah. She's been loads of things.
0: And she was in Brooke. Do you remember Brookside? Yeah, and she did that, that famous lesbian kiss. Because yeah. sometimes you'll see lesbians at Pride with the that photo of the two girls, and it's still it's still a like a an iconic image.
3: But the interesting yeah. thing is that the the, the TV show, the, the you know, the program was actually based on mermaids, wasn't it?
1: yeah it kind of followed um it, it, they didn't encapsulate just one story as it were but they did use mermaids mermaids was a support yeah. group in in the actual um film it's you know in the, in the, the series itself yeah, yeah and they based quite a lot of the um the story on sort of what happened to to me with with my daughter Mm -hmm. so there were quite a lot of similes but I think they kind of they spoke to quite a few parents and you know I organized like focus groups with families and young people and you know the cast came along as well which was really nice so Mm -hmm. you know they came along and they met parents and families and stuff and Anna was just on it you know in terms of I want to get this right so the actual she was great you know, we need more really things good. like
0: this. It's like I, I I always refer people to. I don't know if you saw the, the Voice Kids. There was a young girl on called Darcy, and she had an amazing voice, and her parents support trans, obviously a trans girl, and. Uh, they, they support, and it was just that moment, you know, those little things and programs like that, they can change people's perceptions. And that's what frightens the people that uh, uh, that hate mermaids. They hate it they, because they, they don't want any positivity. So they have to keep recycling the same tropes about mutilation, about harming children. And it's a very powerful trope because it gets people's kind of primal, you know, it's really nasty and it's like a snowball. So when positive things like this come on, Tally, they will always you always see them ramping up the attack so yeah i want to see yeah, more and there's stuff a new, like, there's
1: a new one coming out so uh paris lees has done a yes yeah, just, well
0: did you yeah. see all the hit did you see all the hate paris oh, lees? Absolutely, yeah, oh my god course. she's not gonna she's not the scanner kind of person that's gonna stand for that and uh, another thing about that is like i, I noticed recently that, that you know t- tv and dramas i mean it uh, there was one. There's one called Doctors that's on in the afternoon. It's like a, It's not a very popular. Well, it's popular, but it's not a very well publicized sort. But they have got a transgender uh, storyline at the moment. So I've been following that, and that's really well written. And I thought, I wonder if you had something to do with it because. No.
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, um, if it's an adult trans story i don't know if it's, no, a well, it, well, it's, it's kind of a, it's like a school
0: age sort of college oh, right. age okay. and, not, heard,
1: not heard of that we one. Did, they did they do i mean you know we have had you know like emmerdale you know we we get calls we get asked mm. to, well, yeah, to yeah. you know to look I, things over i remember casualty came to yeah. us a couple of times and asked us to look over scripts Tons, and stuff so we will yeah. you know yeah. we will do it's really good
0: that they that do work. that yeah because that's that show, Vicky Doctors. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but they've. Had well, a I'm normally clip.
3: at work, Frida. So yeah, was. Well, no,
0: I am, but it's on the it's on the iPlayer. Daytime television. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really good, and they they did have a storyline where there was a dispute between a father and a mother, and the father didn't want the child to transition, and it and it went and the story was about that legal battle, and I, it was really well written. Honestly, I recommend it, and that's why I thought Susie might have been part of it. So. Never not not
1: that one. i mean like massively involved with butterfly yeah. hugely involved with butterfly and you know we had so like jake and hannah Graff were in the in this in the actual uh series as well mm. uh, they played people that was in the support group you know when uh, in one of the um, meetings and things mm. um and all of the kids in the filming when you look back at butterfly if you look at the one where they have all the, the kids in the transport group they're all mermaid's kids right. none of them were actors they were all wow. actual families and young people
3: so that's like a window
1: on mermaids that
3: people I didn't realize that the graphs were in i'm gonna to have to watch it again now <laughs> yeah i'm gonna to have to watch it full stuff is it still on
0: the, it should. Uh, I
3: mean, it should still be on. It's probably. I don't know if it's still on. Be, it might be on.
0: It'll be on some streaming. It'll be on
3: some somewhere. But
0: we re- we highly recommend it anyone, So,
3: so I, I just I'm c- just wondering c- if that series also helped to kind of boost the numbers that were coming to. Yeah, of course it would have. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, every okay. time, obviously, <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of positive publicity around it at the time. Yeah, I remember um,
0: vividly. I remember vividly the first time I saw a trans person on telly. It was a documentary about Julia Grant. And I don't know if you remember Julia Grant, but she—I I worked for her briefly when she had a a cafe in Manchester. But well, she was like the first documentary about transition that was on telly, and it, and obviously it came out before I was. But they repeat they repeated it, and I got in touch with her, and uh, she spoke to me on the phone, and she sent me a copy of her book, and that that was my first, and I, that's how I was able to talk to my mum about how I felt, you know. Because when you see something on telly like that, it, it it's like, oh my god, this is. It's like a light bulb kind of thing. So, yeah, that's really important that the TV producers understand that because you're not just making drama. You're not just making, you know,
3: fiction. It, this is real life, you know. Let's talk about the big lottery.
1: Okay.
3: Oh, yes. So, about, I think it was 2018-ish, somewhere around there. Um, y- you were getting a huge amount of money from them. I think it was half a million in funding. Um, Over
1: five years. So it was a hundred thousand a year, a hundred thousand a year over five years. So we I started applying in April of 2018, um, spoke to uh, the grant manager. We went through. So you go through so much in terms of Hmm. like uh, protocol, due diligence, all of that. So by the time we got to the beginning of December and I was told at the beginning of December, I think like fifth or sixth that we got we got through. we'd got the money um and the team was still quite small then there were only i think about seven of us and it was just this this i don't know this this huge relief that we were getting Mm. this support to be able to expand our training which Mm. increased our trading which means that that obviously brought additional um income into the organization it gave us um paid for three trainers and service facilitator salaries mm-hmm. so it added to the resource for us to support people as well um so yeah so we were like ecstatic yeah. oh and it paid for a researcher as well so do, yeah. i mean
3: so 100 grand at that time was probably you know a huge chunk still of is, your still annual is yeah. budget i mean how what what other kind of you know sources of funding did mermaids have at that time
1: So we had a Children in Need grant Mm. as well. We had some smaller grants like Garfield Mm. Western. um, I can't remember whether Henry Smith were funding us back then, but they were fairly quickly afterwards. Paul Hamlin Foundation as well, one of the first funders that supported us. So there was was quite a lot in terms of, you know, um, different small streams of money. We also got um a reasonable amount of money in individual donate donations. So from, you know, people go on our website and they donate. And the best donations, as always, are the ones that are recurring donations so that you can yeah. actually plan and see how much money you know you're going to get in. So that you can use that and plan in well, uh, budgeting. I've actually...
0: Donated myself, and to Vicky. I'll tell you about the circumstances of that later, but I have done, donated myself. Yeah, had, to, had to
3: twist her arm with one. With one. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, so this this funding was put under review, wasn't it? Because the charity came under a lot of uh, anti-trans activist criticism.
1: Well, what happened was we got news of the, the, the actual grant being made and then it was it's announced. So they put it up on the lottery website. Yeah. And... Graham Linehan um writer Father Ted and all-round sort of hater of trans people in general yes um went on Mumsnet which I call Prosecca Stormfront that's not that's not my <laughs> yeah. line. somebody else gave yeah, me that yes, and i yes, stolen yes. it but yeah. basically went on Mumsnet and told everybody on Mumsnet put like literally the CEO of um Mm. the lottery's email address and said everybody must complain mermaids cannot get this money oh my god they're gonna i mean mm. i think you said something like they're going to open a clinic and trans more kids i mean you yeah know, yeah yeah. mermaids it's... did not get involved in medical pathways There's we nothing would tell people what about... was available Any... but we don't you know yeah. but Any... um just to support
3: I mean, a charity at the end of the day yeah
1: an
0: assemblage of credibility graham Linen, and Mayer have had in the past has now evaporated because even his best friends like you see that he, he's always writing you can, if you see him on uh, youtube going i wrote to this person they didn't reply back it's like yeah because you did they don't take seriously graham It's so sad you know because i tried to reach out to him at one point and say, graham you know you, you're going you're going to damage yourself this is self-harm and it just made him double down so i
1: think he's i, I honestly think he's poorly um yeah, yeah he seriously needs some help but regardless of what he then kicked off was hundreds of emails to the lottery yeah. CEO mm-hmm. saying, don't give this money to, to, mm-hmm. char- to, to, Mermaids. He also that then also then what we then had was a headline by the times saying, so it had been leaked to the times, I think, just as, just as the money was, uh, you know, uh, given to, they were saying that, that they were going to announce it. So the times Andrew Gilligan at the times did mm-hmm. a headline Child sex change charity gets 500,000 oh, pounds of gosh. public money, yeah, 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 it's awful. So that kicked off. Graham Linnehan went to Mum's Net and galvanized the uh troops to send in nasty emails about about mermaids at the same time. Um, our supporters were obviously emailing in as well and going, What are you doing? But essentially, I got a phone call, I was walking my dogs, 17th of December, it was, I was walking my dogs. And I got a phone call from the grant manager saying, I'm really sorry, but we're just going to have to suspend your grant. And I was like, you did all the due diligence, you know, all of this. And we, you know, mm. we've seen, we've been attacked mm. in the press before. Um, And they were just like, no, we're sorry. You know, and wow. when, when they sort of talked to us later, you know, they, they said that they get like, I don't know an email or two a month saying, you know, we don't want that hostel building anywhere near my back garden. Yeah, yeah. You know, but literally they had hundreds.
0: Yeah. It was a They said on. both
1: for and against. You know, so they, so they were like, yeah, we we mm. can't just ignore this because of the volume of of the. Mm. I, d- I just don't think they were prepared for it. They didn't know what to do. So, so, what, so yeah,
3: too to handle Christmas. for them. Obviously,
0: yeah, just, just before, before you get Christmas. Light you have to get lawyers involved uh,
1: we did yeah we had some support from some legal um yeah. experts around what was going on because it's obviously such a huge amount of money
0: yeah
1: um so it, but also yeah. because because again it, it was just a load of nonsense mm-hmm. you know child sex it's, change charity
0: i mean yeah i mean even even i mean it's none of their business at the end of the day because they, they've got they they did try to make out they're doing something to protect children but there's nothing in their words that that does that and it actually harms people so so what the, the front is always oh we've got to protect the children but that is always the front of the right wing that is always the front like that, that we've got to protect the family we've got to protect the status quo we've got to protect the children is a is a common trope among very authoritarian and puritanical power structures and unfortunately,
1: it's the playbook Mm. of 30 years ago when yes. they mm. were trying to roll back um gay rights yeah um, well, we've seen it
0: happening. So, we see it happening same right thing now. No. yeah
1: same headlines you just like literally take out mm. gay and put in trans and it's it i mean like literally to the point where the headlines are pretty much identical so oh, yeah, yeah. just.
0: I mean, there, there are certain groups of people, like lobby groups. If 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 there's a subject in politics, like say they're gonna uh, something about fox hunting, they'll run a load of stories about why foxes are going to bite your children, and they're, they're, those stories are paid for by uh, you know Westminster-based lobby groups and uh, think tanks mm. because they want people to be frightened of something. So whenever a, a vote comes up about you know climate change or anything like that, they, they 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 get to they get to work on climate skeptics you know it's always the same people i'm sure you know who they i'm not going to mention any names but i've I mentioned the policy exchange you might (laughs) you might know who i mean but um yeah it's always the same people yeah they don't and it's like it's it's amazing how mad this makes people it's amazing how angry people get but i think i think it becomes the thing is
1: it's not their kids
0: I know. It's
1: none of their business but it, you but know it can... they're talking about other people's children and yeah, what they're I mean. saying is they know better than those parents of those children yeah. and they assume that... ludicrous it's like and it's, it's all, ludicrous it,
0: this assumption that the parents are harming their own children. I mean, I'm sure there are cases in the world. If you look, if you look deep enough, you would find cases of parents who are not doing the best for their children. (laughs) But if you're looking in a trans direction, you're you're sort of looking the wrong way, aren't you? You're you're, you're actually, uh, you're ignoring a real problem in society and, so, so when you're focusing on the trans thing all the time, if you if all your news is centered around that, your eyes are off the real things that are going wrong. And the press and the politicians love that because what they love more than anything is a public looking the wrong way. So, you know, I heard they, in politics. 13 yeah. years of failure. And, you know, and it's misogyny in society as well that causes it. Because like on Talk TV today, you've got the story about the uh, bullying of the, like, I don't know the details exactly, but it turns out there was a young girl and she was expressing gender. And then two girls decide, oh, you're mentally ill. And then the story becomes not about bullying, but about that teacher. And as far as I can see, that teacher did the right thing. She intervened and said, look, girls, you don't do that to, to another human being. That's all that happened. But the press was for now, the press, it's all about woke schools turning your kids trans. So that's how that's where we're at, you know. It's getting back to the lottery
3: story. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah. that's me going off on a tangent there. Yeah,
3: she does that now again. (laughs) So, you know, come come the beginning of 2019, we have this YouTuber who says they're going to do um, a Donkey Kong 64. um, continuous streaming on youtube and i think it was a guy called harris brewis i'm not sure what the handle is on youtube but it's
1: Uh, h bomber guy
3: h bomber and
1: and he didn't tell us we didn't know he didn't
3: tell you okay he didn't Uh, tell us we
1: didn't know He just decided he was going to do it. He did so this he, amazing video as well. So if you look up H Guy and you look at his yeah, and like to, back catalog, yeah. they, he did this absolutely amazing. So he was video. going
3: to play the game end to end, wasn't he? 100. Yeah.
1: And he was like I'm going to beat Donkey Kong and I'm just going to and it so he did it on he did it on a Discord server and Twitch.
3: Yeah.
1: So yeah. he basically ran the stream and said I'll keep going until I beat Donkey Kong. And, I think and in the meantime 60, you can you can donate.
3: Or something. He was playing continuously. Yeah. Yeah, and well, The amazing thing, though, was the, the live stream had some amazing, like notable guests popped up, <laughs> such as um, Alexandra, Picasso-Cortez, Chelsea Manning, Paris Lees, mm. Wynne Jones, Natalie Wynn, Abigail Thorne, your good self, um, Colin Mockery, and even Cher, Cher. Cher. Popped up on the... That's amazing. Uh, I mean, can you imagine that? I think, how much did he raise? Because... I think, was it over two and a half... Well, over well, what,
1: what he said was he thought he was going to raise about three or four grand
3: yeah and, that was the same wasn't it to get about five yeah, grand. about
1: three or four grand and my uh one of my friends um she's on twitter as Helly welly um she called me sort of like friday evening and was like have you seen this and i was like no she went go and have a look you need to have a look at it so i went online and had a look and it, i think it was already about five grand
0: was it on so twitch it was
1: like, yeah twitch so streaming so i was like oh this is great and and then we made contact through sort of to to the people who were sort of doing the management of the stream like his little team in the background sort of thing and it just blew up it It just blew up and
0: it's amazing yeah
1: i mean aoc i mean wow so imagine. So so,
2: so
0: could you imagine yeah. Graham Linehan doing something like that? I mean, it's like it just shows you that the level of support there is for you. And, you know, I mean, I mean, it must feel all the time like sometimes it's so negative and you've had to deal with so much shit. But just reading that, it must make you feel like it's all worthwhile, you know. Well, I, mean,
2: it, I mean,
3: it backfired spectacularly what Linehan was yeah. trying to do, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, he's trying yeah. to stop yeah. you getting your, your 500,000. Yeah. You yeah. got that anyway. And you got this extra... so February,
1: the the lottery did loads and loads that they Mm. were reviewing all of our policies, Uh, uh, processes, they were talking to our staff, they talked to the helpline volunteers. You know, they went through everything to sort of say, what do you do and what do you not do and what do you talk Mm. about and what do you not talk about? And all of this. So they went through everything with a fine tooth comb. I don't know how many meetings I had with a guy who was running um, the investigation. He was lovely, you know, Mm. just... um, He he was um, head of the Scottish branch that so they brought him in to do like the investigation because he wasn't anything to do with the original grant mm. uh so we got a clean bill of Health sort of halfway through well towards the end of February 2019. but in the meantime um Harry and um, as H bomber raised like I think it was like 240 thousand mm. for us yeah um yeah. I remember watching on the stream and when he got to like 97 thousand. He actually broke down. He, he'd like, I can't mm. believe it. I can't we'll believe to it. Watch but the, the video thing is was only
3: he wasn't even halfway at that point.
1: No. Yeah. I think it's it on YouTube
3: beautiful. That...
1: Yeah. Yeah. The thing what is an amazing is response. That... just were pushing it out to all the parents and the young people and we were like okay so you see all the hate all day every day these very loud voices of people who constantly go on about trans kids go on about parents of trans kids you know invalidate trans women invalidate trans kids Mm -hmm. go and have a look at this stream and what you will see was literally thousands and thousands and thousands of messages of support it was gorgeous i mean yeah. i can't i mean i stayed up all night watching <laughs> watching it and popped in onto the stream a couple of times and spoke to harry and um well, uh, this is, I mean, i'm not this sure is if what... he's
3: done anything since but that was an amazing thing that he did. That. I, yeah.
0: I mean this is one of my main motivations for doing this podcast is like to talk to people you know and put positive messages out because we we have to do i mean when when we do the podcast just me and vicky we tend to laugh at the news and sometimes it's kind of kind of like a bit
3: depressing when we go through
0: you know because we have to cover ehrc we have to cover parliamentary debates and it's like god it's so nice to talk to real people that are actually involved in a real
3: progressive change yeah and that's
1: and it was just it was the nicest thing
3: it It was was it was was amazing the response was uh, yeah incredible um Let's move on to something that was not so positive. Um, this, was, this was, I think it was June timeframe in 2021, where yourselves, Mermaids, and other charities, including Stonewall, began raising funds to appeal the awarding of charitable status to LGB Alliance, mm. um, describing the group's activities as you know, de- degenerating um, trans people. So could you just talk a little bit around what was going on with that um, you know, LGB alliance. And I think they tried to do something to mermaids as well. I don't remember exactly what it was now.
1: To be honest, they the, the LGBA just constantly went after mermaids, constantly yeah. went after me. You know, the you know, the sort of discourse that was on Twitter, all social media, et cetera, the sort of things mm-hmm. that they were saying about what we were as a charity talking about as transing basically, you know, making kids be trans because you're a homophobe and, and don't mm, want to get a gay yeah, kid. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and th- that Tough we're and yeah.
0: I know.
1: So as if as if I mean, but, I mean So this was this was going on for a long time. They they started up and we immediately started to see this stuff you know, and, and they they managed to get stories in the papers and things because you know the, the papers ate up anything that was anti-trans yeah. well, that they can put, like, a controversial spin to. Well, they're very so well we...
0: connected, aren't they? So
1: Yeah, yeah. So we saw all of this, and then and then they applied to be a charity. Mm. And we were like, no, they're never going to get charitable
3: yeah, I mean, what, Literally, they don't they do, they do any charitable work. No, they do no charitable work.
1: No charitable work. Has that been anything.
3: resolved? I don't think it's been resolved yet, has it, that case?
1: So the court case itself was sort of like towards, I think, like, the last um hearing i went to was just at the very very beginning of november which is the last couple of days mm-hmm. um and so the judgment we're waiting for the judgment to be handed yeah. down by the courts by the judges as to whether mm-hmm. or not they will so it was mermaids um with good law project funding yeah. Yeah. um taking the charity commission to court for giving mm-hmm. lgba status yeah. charitable status mm-hmm. so we but didn't do really lgba you know, yeah. so we didn't we didn't sue the LGBA. We we sued yeah. the Charity Commission for giving them charitable status, right? Um And like, lots of evidence was given, and with them, and honestly, I was in the courtroom, and they just tried to use it as a speaking point about the things that they yeah. did, rather than and and mm. the, the problems that they had with organizations such as Mermaids and Stonewall, etc., without actually talking to yeah. the points that we raised, which were. You're not a charity. You don't do any charitable stuff. You shouldn't be given. Yeah, and exactly. the only things you do do are based around degenerating others.
3: Yeah. You so it's, there's it. no charitable actions well, at all. I yeah.
0: mean, even even within that category of LGB, they they don't actually do because I I volunteer for the LGBT Foundation. We they work with the homeless people. They work with drug and alcohol rehabilitation. We work in you Know counseling services and signposting to. Well, I've never seen LGB do anything for the lesbian, gay, or bisexual
3: community. I don't, I can't think of anything that they've done. I've had
0: a shit disco once or twice in
3: London, I think that's what they've done. <laughs> yeah, they have an annual conference <laughs> and they bite a few dinosaurs. <laughs> of it, that's what yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that,
0: that was so, that, but they see, you know, because there's such, I mean, they're so easy to catch out, you know, when they're trying to be. Uh, they try and be mor- they have the moral high ground. But the, the, all you have to do, the, the, all, it's very simple. All you have to do is comment and then wait for their followers to reply to you. And that proves that they're not followed by anybody that cares about anything apart from hate. So another experiment that I like to do is, you, know, if, you know, sometimes people say, is J.K. Rowling transphobic? I say, I'll tell you what, follow the hashtag, I stand with J.K. Rowling mm. and come back to me.
3: <laughs> so I, think, I think around this time, you know, when this kind of case was going on, we started to see, like, in quick succession, you know, negative things in the press about mermaids all of a sudden. I don't know where it came from, but there was a story in the Daily Telegraph about um, chest binders. Um, I'll let you talk about that if you want. And then there was also the, you know, another another story about Jacob Burslow and the London School of Economics. Mm, yeah. You know, so do you want to talk about those two topics?
1: Yeah. So basically the Telegraph started going after us on the 23rd of September 2022. So I was actually on holiday and got started getting notifications from people who were like, okay, so the Telegraph are going to write a piece. They generally write to you first tell you what give you a like a little bit of an overview and say would you like to respond Mm -hmm. um so I was dealing that with whilst I was away on holiday then the pieces started to appear and you know they basically had a um a young person phone up and pretend to be trans to try and get Mm -hmm. a a chest binder and I mean like chest binders are not like yeah. prohibited wear. No, you, know, you can prohibited. buy them off amazon Anybody, you know yeah. get in primark yeah what i would
3: what i would say is that if you're buying something that's specifically made for that purpose well it's going to be a, it's a safe thing to buy you know it's not
0: yeah i mean you, they're coming to you it's because they trust you you know yeah. it'd be better and to come we're to... not
1: we didn't we didn't sell them we provided them free of charge so yeah. Like spe- spectrum and GTB, they they used to like donate binders to us, yeah. and we would then speak to. And it's it was mainly the parents that we supplied binders to. So, low income families, they couldn't afford to buy a couple of binders for their kids, or they just weren't sure about mm. what best to do. I mean, so they come about, to us, and we would. Think
3: about the alternative to buying a proper binder. You know, if know. doing something homemade yourself. So what? What's better? um, You know,
1: we've heard of kids literally ripping out their armpit hair because they've literally wound duct tape around themselves, the damage Mm. done, Mm. you know, to their skin and also too tight, not you know, the restrictions, the problems. I mean, yeah, it just it just doesn't be thinking about. So it was really sort of on a harm reduction basis. Mm. And and also let's be really clear. Young people who wear chest binders do so because it gives them more confidence when they've got yes. them on. And,
0: it, and it's also Absolutely. this dichotomy in the in the trans argument. I always say, you know, as 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 far as transphobes are concerned, if if you're under sixteen, you're a victim of your parents. And if you're over sixteen, or you you just you know, we just hate you anyway, because you're trans. So where is that line? They suddenly stop caring about you when you're sixteen. This the fake concern stops when you hit 17, does it? Because no, the thing they hate thing they can't stand is the fact that people are free to express themselves, and that's powerful. And if yeah. you want to help, and because you're there to help with that and and, 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 and to reduce harm, they, they can't see it any other way. They, they In their minds, they can only see it as a pure, innocent child that has been forced to do this thing, which obviously is is obviously the opposite of the case, because... You know, by the time somebody goes to a gender service or anything like that, they've probably been talking to their parents about it as your daughter was for many years. So you know, it's all made-up nonsense, isn't it?
1: And also, it's not their bloody business. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You know, it's not their business. It's not, you Whether know, it's you know, know another... this is not their, This is not their. This is not their kid. This is yeah. not their business. It doesn't make any difference to them whatsoever you know, there are much bigger issues out there that they could really focus on that would make a difference to. You know, let's talk about male violence. Let's talk about domestic violence. Let's talk about, you know, the fact that they're using trans issues as wedge issues. Let's talk about reproductive rights and body autonomy. But they're Mm. not.
3: When this story came out, you know, from the Daily Telegraph, it just felt like here's another story, attacking mermaids for the sake of attacking mermaids. It seemed to be... yeah felt like a a very kind of organized attack because straight can after I, that I just
1: point something out as well two years prior to that in 2020 i can't even remember who it was it'll be the mail the times or the telegraph One of those. two years before an exact not an exact duplicate but the exact same story came out mermaids are supplying chest brand to children oh my goodness save the kids mm. whatever yeah. And we went through all of this the with the charity commission at the time two mm. years before. Mm. So we went through what our policies are, what our protections are, what our safeguarding process is, how we work through a process and procedure for young people if they mm. are applying for themselves, but mostly it was parents, and what we send out uh in terms of safe binding, the guidance around what how long to wear it for, you know, all of those things, not to wear it when you're doing like physical activity, etc. So the charity commission had already looked through everything that we did and do and um how we protected young people in the best way that we could do yeah. whilst also maintaining it's the harm reduction it's to stop and binding with bloody duct tape for god's sake yeah um but you know we did all of that and the charity commission gave us a clean bill of health so the telegraph kicked off again and it only was made worse because they managed to get an ex-member Is... of Scotland Yard to say that they considered it was the same as female genital mutilation. Oh, and that gosh. hit the headline. It was like, oh, my goodness, it could even be illegal. And the what? Met Office, the Met, you Is know, this... the Met Police went, don't be ridiculous. Of course it's not. Yeah, mm-hmm. But they got their headlines. Yeah, and... but
0: they don't care about the truth. But it th- was this a very specific journalist or somebody that is still writing now because just
3: let, let's what can we use against mermaids okay let's use that again i mean it felt because like a we... kind of story to me well
1: they did you... it they did it. do the sting so they literally got a young person to pretend yeah to be a, a trans person to try and get a binder and do you know the funny thing is they never got a binder because they raised a red flag because they wanted wanted it sent to a friend's house not their own And we always look at that in terms of, okay, so if they're that afraid of their parents finding out. Yeah, exactly. We have a responsibility to, you know, be safeguarding that young person. Yeah, yeah. You know, if they're going to get that binder and it's then going to open them up to harm from their parents, Mm. Mm. then we've got a responsibility around that as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are a a, a group of journalists. I'm not going to mention any names, obviously, but I have monitored because I monitor the media quite a lot and they'll go out and find people who want to sue. Or they'll find somebody that they think can can be in the have a face in the paper, not 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 necessarily to do with mermaids. This could be to do with anything to do with the uh, you know teachers that have been kind of disciplined for saying you can't you know you not agreeing with the policy on trans issues. And they go for these people, and then they they uh, they're funded by sometimes uh, the free the speech union, Toby Young's Free Speech Union, and they create these stories. They, there was no story. But they, because they're willing to throw money at somebody, uh, they'll 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 create the story. And the story is, it's just it, it, it just the fact that they can manufacture a story is 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 what is the motivation for that. And obviously, the motivation is some kind of authoritarian idea of identity. And I think that's and it's why
1: click, this clickbait. You know, yeah, exactly. It makes a lot of money. Make, it makes make make some lot money, money in terms of advertising. Yeah, the money side. Of... You... But as well as that, Victoria, you mentioned um, Jacob Breslow. Yeah. Okay. So Jacob Breslow had come on board as a trustee at the end of July. Mm-hmm. And then they started going after us in September. So what we knew that there was a lot of digging going on into yeah. staff, into mm-hmm. volunteers, etc. Um, We also were aware that there were stories all over the dark web. So Kiwi farms had lots of stories, about, um, you know, lots of things been written about members of staff, me, um, they put my house, pictures of my house and like my address online and pictures of my dog and my kids That's, and um, yeah. the kid's dad. And, yeah. you know, there was so much speculation about we're doing this, we're doing that and whatever. And um w- whilst these telegraph pieces were coming out. So we had to obviously if you get a load of negative press, you have to report it to the Charity Commission. So I raised what's called a serious incident report with the Charity Commission say. We're getting a load of negative press this is what it's all about we've obviously dealt um, with the binders with you before but this has become extra nasty because of this fgm like um yeah. simile that they created yeah um, but we told them about it then what happened is um the story about jacob broke so jacob contacted us and said this happened a long time ago that he went to this conference and he since found out that the people he went to the conference for were like pedophile apologists apparently mm. you know mm. that's that you can't say it any yeah. anyways they they talk about having mm. you know really minority disturbing. attracted adults yeah. and i'm like yeah. that is just grim yeah. um and he And they're trying apart. to
0: associate you with that
1: so as soon as we knew mm. and as soon as we saw the the stuff and jacob resigned immediately and he went yeah. i don't want to like you know I was I was I was cross because we asked explicitly people, have you got anything that could damage the charity? Mm. And I'm pretty sure he knew that that yeah, could have been used thing, against us like- and he didn't tell us.
3: Things so, like I mean, I can, only, come I can only up
1: hypothesize, in a, yeah.
3: That, things like that, that you know, going to a conference wouldn't come up in a background check anyway, would it? I mean, no,
1: it's, no I mean, we it's do every, all of all of our trustees, all of our staff, all it's, of our volunteers have enhanced DBSs. Yeah. Right?
3: So, the way I look at this is, you know, as soon as you find out about something like that, you take action, and that's exactly what you did. So, we did
1: yeah. totally talk to him straight away. He and like literally said, I'll resign straight away, and we were like, Yeah, it's, you should. It's a, it's yeah. like the
0: same same thing with the Tavistock and things like that. They were so desperate to find people to sue them. And they didn't find that. And they, they found, I mean, there were lots of failings there. Let's let's not beat around the bush. But they were mainly down to funding. And, you know, they were, like you said, there's a massive increase in, in demand. I think that was not helping. And obviously, you have all this vexation going on in the background. But there was never, as far as I'm aware, there's never been a whistleblower. You said there was something wrong with the treatment or care of children there's never been any uh, realistic complaint from any parent on and 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 if, if there had been we'd know about it because there are people out there that are digging so hard for this stuff that it would definitely be on the front page of the daily mail if anything like that had happened we can almost guarantee
1: but there it. is actually yeah. so there are a couple of studies that have been done with parents and young people who attended the tavistock but right. what the what the newspapers want to sell you is this story that kids are being fast tracked? They're, yeah, you know, yeah. they've been given drugs within five minutes of getting there. They're being trans. They're, you know, that that basically they've been put down a route that makes them trans mm. at the end of it. They're not allowed, you know. They're mm. basically being mm. fast tracked down a, a, a situation, you know, d- down a route that means that mm-hmm. they yeah. they can't change their minds, etc. The yeah. truth of the matter is that actually it's quite it's the opposite. Um, mm. You know, there's studies that show that actually the way that Children and young people were treated within the Tavistock was very mm. much about prove you trans. How trans are you? Trans yes, yes. girls told that they weren't wearing the right. You know, they turned yes, up in think... jeans and they were told off because oh, you're not you're not trying hard enough. Oh dear. Yeah, yeah there was some and and some some really disturbing stuff in terms of these two studies by Cal Horton. So I'll you know, know if anybody wants to look yeah. them up, yeah, I will. And I remember. Because I, I went to the Tavistock with my daughter and I remember that some of the things that were said to me. Like, for example, one of the first appointments that we went into where we're talking and they're like, what was your pregnancy and your birthlight, you know, her birthlight? And I'm like, it's not got to do with anything.
0: Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. Ridiculous. But one of my, it's not got to do with anything.
1: My and first... it was about trying to trying to find a reason for um, them being trans. Mm. It was based on the fact that the, mm. the Tavistock was... Well,
0: based on psychotherapy yes yeah because i remember when i when i first came like tried to speak to my mum about my my you know my feelings about being trans or there wasn't much language i could use i was like 16 17 and my mom just said i'll take you to the doctor <laughs> so it's like you go see your gp and the gp doesn't know and and i was taken to a child psychiatrist this there wasn't a gender clinic this was this was like 20 25 years ago and it was like um you, I, I'm I'm made to sit in front of it. It felt like I was on trial. You know what I mean. So people, people, when people complain about the way services are, it's because it's usually because of that. It's not because of like what you were saying. It's that the the complaints are there because our needs are not being met properly. Like the problems I have with the gender care I get now, it's it's rubbish. You know, if you believe the papers, you it, it's like you think there's a gender clinic on every street corner, Well people are waiting five, six, seven years just to get an appointment with a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And and that's the reality. And I think people people that people are against us, they just think that it's a case of knocking on the GP's door. And the next minute, you know, you you're going through gender reassignment surgery. I mean, I kind of wish it was like that,
3: but <laughs> Can I absolutely assure just... you it's not
1: No, definitely not.
3: So then we have you know
1: services as well. So sorry. Go. On. <laughs> yeah. Then
3: we've got Miriam, uh, Kate's MP. Oh, that little using, horror! Using Prime Minister's Questions time to, you know, ask for a police investigation into mermaids. Uh, and you, I, I, I'm you... not sure how you responded to that, but I think it was along the lines of, um, "Here we go again. She's criticised us before, <laughs> you know."
1: And the thing is, is that it's not a police matter. You know in terms yeah. of in terms of what we do as a support charity how on earth can that be a police matter well, well, it was just, just i it think was she's just basing just that on the publicity fact. Yeah. Yeah. negative the f- publicity it's just it's a publicity mm. stunt to try and discredit the charity to try and raise questions yeah. about the charity and this is all aimed at stopping people getting help that's yeah, what it she, is.
3: you know this is another incident around the same time frame
1: well, I was going to you say know, at the
3: end you're... of those other incidents, and it's all—it's all too manufactured for me. You can see, that yeah, Well, you can almost taste the connections. You know, it's... yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, Miriam Cates to me is basically just Caroline Farrow with a bigger budget, <laughs> and like when I listen to her in the House of, you know, the parliamentary discussion about the meaning of sex, gender, whatever this thing that sex matters have created out of nowhere. Um. Herb, what? Her, she's like an evangelical. It reminds me of, uh, you know, the Westbro Baptist Church. Do you know she'd be there with a placard saying, you know, you know, trans are going to hell. That's
3: that's that's what I see when I see her. I see, I see she, the pitch. She rocks. was very much like that in that in that debate, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. So, I mean, that's. Let's leave uh, mermaids there. Let's move on to gender GP.
0: Yes. So we're going to the next phase.
3: The next, yeah. So. Could you talk about how you became involved with Gender GP? Because that, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's a service that I've used. Um, when I first came out, it was one of the only ones available in the private sector, which I could afford because it, it was, you know, the least expensive out of, I think there was three choices. And it seemed to be the least expensive and the most accessible. Mm. And I had a lot of friends who would kind of recommended it because they'd used it too. And it was really good. I mean, it started off, you know, it's a, quite a small thing, and they, were you know, as as it, I was with them, I think it was from about mid twenty eighteen somewhere on there, until I'd moved over to Indigo, which we'll come to later. But during during the initial period with mermaids, it was it was great, and then and then sorry, not mermaids, <laughs> gender GP. I got mermaids <laughs> right now. I was with gender GP in the those initial stages. It, it was really good. And then I think as Gender GP tried to expand, they kind of ran into a few problems with, you know, new, a uh, new IT systems. And we went through a bit of a period where people weren't getting emails and the communications weren't great. And I, yeah. I remember having a chat with uh, Helen Webley about that. And she was, you know, she was really apologetic and they, they did fix it. It got fixed and they, they, they kind of redid the whole system. And, you know, I think I think they had to move out of the UK because they were getting a lot of atten- negative attention. Same thing again, yeah. Same thing again. They had to move the business out of the UK into Spain. Um, Some but, people out there that are very it, frightened. It kept of going. Us. It kept going, and um, <laughs> you know, I'm no longer with them because I'd moved. I'd moved on to NHS and Indigo. Mm. But it was is is something that had I not been able to get that, I would I would have been years behind where I am today. So I, I, you know, I know it's private, I know it's not the NHS, but I'll give it I'll give it my full support just because of the way it helps people like me and others. I don't know if you ever used it, Frida, but I found it to be, you know, really useful thing to have.
0: No, I've not used Gender GP. I just went straight from I, I was buying just from a private hormones from a private company and I shouldn't have been doing that really because I wasn't getting blood tests and stuff. I was just but you, I got, you were, I, you were just DIYing. I was, yeah, and it was yeah. making me all kind of stressed and stuff. So I got on with Indigo. That was about three years ago now. So yeah, mm. yeah.
3: I've
0: been good, been good. It's been see that stuff like my criticisms of everything. It's just not enough resources. It's not people I'm criticizing. It's like I sometimes that I sometimes have a mouth off at Vicky and go, "Oh my God, they're not replying to me again. They've not replied to my email. Like, those people they haven't answered my calls." It's like, yeah.
3: Yeah, but I mean, it can be frustrating because you know I didn't go straight into Indigo. You know, I I, I first of all, you know, went to my GP and I got referred, and I was waiting for Sheffield. I was waiting for Sheffield for almost two and a half years, and Mm -hmm. then I then I was approached by Indigo because I was on Sheffield's list and I hadn't been seen, and I I was one of the kind of the early group that went into Indigo, and it was kind of an option as to going or not. And I was like, should yeah. I go for this or not? It was a pilot really service, wasn't it? Yeah, I was really worried about going into it because it was a pilot service, nobody knew anything about it. But I, I agreed to do it, and it turned out to be great for me because I was writing right at the beginning and I got through quite quickly. Um, so, but yeah, so your question is a bit different, yeah.
1: you know. So I met Helen Weberly, I think, in like 2015, I think it was. Um, and she approached mermaids and I met for a cup of coffee and we had a chat about um, she was providing adult trans healthcare, yeah. mm. and she wanted to provide um, for young people as well. And the mm. reason that she wanted to do that was because even back then there were still issues around waiting lists and mm. time to get into into services, mm. et cetera, within uh, the JID service, the gender identity service for young people. And um so she wanted to use you know follow the w path which is the international guidance the yeah. like literally the global guidance that most um, service specifications are, are built on and she wanted to to work and and support kids and yeah. so i was like this yeah this is great yeah this is great because you know the nhs um i think at that point the nhs was still not pro- providing blockers until 16 yeah. They changed fairly shortly afterwards, and then they did, And that, but it was based on age. So mm-hmm. it was 12 years old. You had to be 12 before you could get blockers. Mm-hmm. And then, now, then in 2016, the NHS moved to same stage, not age. They provided it at the Tanner stages of puberty, which was an improvement, but again, still, you know, waiting mm-hmm. lists mm-hmm. take still taking a bit of time yeah. but nothing compared to what they're like now
0: can i just ask you about blockers just for people listening it's like because because we get this a lot that people say it's it's re- not reversible it's it, it's got lasting damage side effects all this kind of stuff can you just give us some information okay. on blockers and what they actually do and obviously okay. i yeah just to, just for people who don't quite know what that blocker means
1: okay so Blocking medication, it's a GNRH GNRHA analog. So basically, what it is is it's a medication, it started being used for prostate cancer Mm -hmm. because it shut down the production of hormones. Right. So, and then it started being used for what's called precocious puberty in this gender children. So that's been done i think since the 1970s or maybe right, the beginning of the right. 80s so this is so a new long medication. no it's not a new medication not by a long shot so what they used it for kids with precocious puberty was is like your four-year-old starting a period for example that's um right. you know so kids who, who go into puberty like way way too early and they just give this blocking medication stops the production of uh their natal sex hormones and then all they did was when they got to like a reasonable age, like 10 or 11, took right. away the blocking medication. Mm-hmm. And then within generally three to six months, but sometimes at the the outside, it was a year, normal puberty resumed. Yeah. So the blockers wore off, normal puberty resumed. Kids then started going through, you know, continuing on their pubertal pathway. Um, and so we've got adults with kids and, you know, there's, there's, this is used for thousands of people mm. worldwide. It's been seen as being like the gold standard of treatment for precocious mm. puberty. And yeah, it's, it is reversible because if not, then all of those cisgender kids who had right. lockers, would not have continued on with their natal, right. you know, with right. their natal puberty, exactly. and if and if it made kids trans, which is the other thing that said, yeah. all of those kids with precocious puberty would have decided they were trans, and um, yeah, that didn't they would have like, they
0: would have had gender issues, wouldn't they? And we don't see that, um, and we don't see
1: that. That's that. That's just not um, happened. Um, I think
0: I think when talking about hormones, I think because a lot of the things that comes up and when this irreversible thing is what they're actually talking about is side effects, and every medication has side effects. So if I was to look at a bottle of paracetamol now. And which to show you the list of things that could give you show that something oh my god i'd never take a paracetamol ever again but because they have to list absolutely everything that could possibly in a million years go wrong that's the kind of information that gets put out into the media about hormones and blockers because there are side effects but it's it's but i think that every medication does so what yeah, there, what might, there might
3: be side effects but i think when they're talking about irreversible they're talking about surgeries aren't they
0: no 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 no. they're talking about the, the blockers and they're talking about because because for to get surgeries like in i don't know in this country at the moment if you're on you'd have to go i mean I, I don't know what you'd have to do don't you have to get like three doctors signatures and all that kind of thing so depends
1: what type depends mm-hmm. what type of surgery um mm-hmm. but essentially blocking medication the hormone blockers gnrh analog is completely reversible you stop it and puberty resumes that's mm-hmm. it that's but it. it's
0: even even me at my age like i i when i had my breast surgery the surgeon would not do it unless i had a letter from the gender clinic to say i am of sound mind like, i don't think i am a sound mind <laughs> but you know what i mean it's oh, like how would you approve that to a doctor like I'll, I'll okay um i'll be as sensible as i can be for you <laughs> but it's like i like, even as an adult that's how difficult it is. So my options were get 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 it signed by the gender clinic or go abroad and do it. Now I know which is the safest option. So this is why people do go abroad and they do do these things. It's because there's so much gatekeeping. It doesn't stop people being trans. It just makes it harder for them to get the treatment they want and can put them in danger. So, so yeah, no less- you moving
3: to gender GP for me that that seems like a really good fit. Yeah. Um,
1: so the reason, I mean, obviously, I, the, the work that Mermaids does is absolutely indisputably like life-saving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got um, yeah, a special place in my heart for Mermaids and always will have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think going to Gender GP, I had a relationship, a long-term relationship, like I knew Helen and I saw what she went through with mm-hmm. when, basically what I said to her when she started looking after. You know, when she said she expanded into supporting children and young people, I told her they're going to come after you, the establishment,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
1: the JIDS mm-hmm. services, they're going to come after you, the other you know, private healthcare providers who yep. are also within the NHS—they're mm-hmm. going to come after you because I'd seen it happen before. I saw it happen to Russell Reed, and I saw it happen to Richard Curtis. They basically kept reporting them to the GMC and saying they weren't following protocol, they weren't doing this, they weren't doing that. And I said to Helen, "Expect that to happen," mm-hmm. and she was like, "Well, I'm just—I'm following WPATH guidance. I'm following the international, mm-hmm. you know, well-respected." Um, Mm. understood to be like the gold standard that's what I'm following and I said they're still going to do it and they did Yeah, Yeah. so it started with adult GICs starting to basically um, make complaints about her to the GMC Um, there were a number I mean she's done like a thread on sort of like the timeline and who complained first etc but it it went on for
0: ages this it went on for
1: ages so she Mm. So by the middle of 2019 or be, sort of like into 2018-19 so she ended up suspended yeah. her license suspended by the GMC while they were investigating her husband um then started supporting the families and young people that she was looking after and then then couldn't and they did the same to him they reported mm-hmm. him and they eventually they managed to actually get him struck off and i think at the time um Helena said that they just didn't have the emotional resources or the financial resources to fight it when, when Mike was struck off, but then when, when they suspended her and then Mm. the tribunal case came to court and they basically the medical tribunal said that she should be, she should have a three month suspension. Bear in mind she'd been suspended this whole time
2: Mm.
1: as well. And she appealed it. So in at the end of March this year, the medical tribunal heard all of the evidence and they basically overturned everything. And they said yeah. she is at the vanguard of um, health care, trans healthcare. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with yeah. the treatment that she undertook, that she's got she's got a GP special interest and she undertook all of the training that she possibly could. Bearing in mind, there is yeah. no specific training for gender dysphoria
0: no. and you
1: don't get anything in medical school. No. And so there is a so no
0: specialized thing, isn't
3: it?
1: Yeah, it's not even specialized because they don't Mm. have any training. There is no training, so So there's nothing at all. Nothing at all. Experience
3: and practice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think WPATH are now introducing some training, so they're looking at introducing training, uh, you know, accreditation training, etc. But it's not in. It's not in our. It's not. You know, doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals do not Mm. have any training Mm. on gender dysphoria either for trans adults or kids nothing yeah. Yeah. so you know mental health professionals they don't have any training they don't know how to deal with it well so that's it it, is, that's, uh, that's
0: why I think we we come under the umbrella as mental health you know like when we go to see we get to see a psychiatrist it's like well you know, I understand there's some issues I've got to talk through, and, and yes, therapy is always good. But it's not, and it's like when it becomes this mental health thing. I think that then when ableism comes into it, and you can, because I, I often get people on Twitter saying, "Oh, you need psychological help." I was like, well, yeah, actually, uh, I, I actually could do with some of that, and I think you could too, and I think everybody in the world could do with a bit of psychological help. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> it's because it's come through a route of being di- You know, it's it's like being gay was only removed from the international yeah. catalog of D- diseases in seventy in the seventies. Yeah, exactly. So that was only re- yeah. It was re- re- you know it was removed what? as that a brings- mental health yeah. a, as a mental illness mm. and gender dysphoria. Or gender incongruence which is is now it's um it used to be gender identity disorder and now Mm. it's moved to gender incongruence you know Mm. that's only just recently over the last few years been removed as a mental health illness so that's why i think mm. this pathway through mental health has been there and the remnants of that are still with us today oh
0: yeah yeah because it's a stigma i mean like it's it's like if you've got anything on your medical record to do with mental health people some medical professionals treat you differently and I've noticed that myself my brother's schizophrenic and and when people say oh uh, uh," like if I tell them they're nervous about meeting him I said no you don't have to worry he's you know he's just normal he just you mean he may he may exhibit some unusual behaviors but he's he's a person you know and you talk to him like anybody else yeah. Because there's these fear stories all the time about people stabbing who are schizophrenic and, and it's always this negative, negative, negative thing that, that we have this perception of people in society that when they have a mental illness or they, they're diagnosed psychologically, then they're a problem. It's like, uh, no, we're not. And there's no such thing as a sane world, Helen Joyce, no matter how much you wish there were, there is no such thing as a sane world because your world is insane to begin with. <laughs>
3: so, 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 what, sorry,
0: what your... sorry i went off i went yeah, off on a bit of we're we're tangent down, a rabbit hole
3: huh? <laughs> so, me, what is your what is your role now at gender gp
1: so um just to give you a little bit of background so obviously the news about me um uh no longer being at mermaids came out sort of like at the end of november helen yep. was one of the first people to get in contact with me and she was like are you okay and i was like yeah thank you and she said to me look come and work here she said i know you've been battling with the fact that you know mermaids isn't allowed to talk about private health care um largely because of the the um gmc cases and because helen was suspended and mike was struck off and uh, we were told we you know we couldn't refer to private healthcare, and there was no other source of private health care so um for kids young people at all yeah so it was like okay um I couldn't talk about it. The only option left for, for kids was the NHS services unless they decided to go private um, and go to gender GP, uh, which many did and are still doing. Mm-hmm. So Helen contacted me and said, look, you know, come and work for me. You've got years of activism left. Um, and you, you can actually have... move into a space where you can maybe mm-hmm. have more of a direct life impact on some of these um, yeah. young people's lives. Um and, and you have
0: you'd gone through the same kind of attacks, the same kind of people were attacking you both. So you you know, you probably got a lot of strength from sharing each other's
3: experience. So yeah, so now you're in the private kind of sector. do you feel as though you, you you've been unshackled and you've you got more freedom to do what you need to do?
1: Um, I can certainly see that I mean, obviously the charity world is, you know, you've got the charity commission yeah, there's lots rules, overseeing, there's oh. lots of rules, etc. So it is um it's freer um and i can obviously like but obviously one of the things that i've done since i came on board as community director. so a lot of the stuff that i'm doing is talking to the community and asking you know how can gender gp be better but one of the things you know how better can we serve it you know can we can we look after you what are things that would you know be good for you Mm -hmm. um talking to families about how to to appeal against when a gp refuses shared care for example because So gender GP doesn't make any cash
2: per person
1: from medication costs or from blood tests. We work with partners. Yeah. So those don't bring revenue into gender GP at all, but they cost patients Mm. a lot of money. So if a GP will support a person's healthcare by doing what's called shared care. So gender GP, Mm -hmm. Undertake the blood test, analysing the blood tests. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of saying, this is what this is what uh, needs to happen. This is what your mm-hmm. dosage is. This is what your blood tests are showing us. That if they if they if the GP will do the blood test and then send the results to gender GP, it costs the patient a stacker. You know, yeah, it yeah. basically saves them a stack of money. Yeah. If they'll prescribe on the NHS what gender GP tells them they need to prescribe that saves another stack of money yeah. and then all you're then paying for through gender mm-hmm. gp is actually the the cost of the subscription and and mm-hmm. so that's like your support
0: yeah yeah um, yeah so it's kind of a gender clinic and and you in a way like it's not just because i think there's this conception that's just a dispensary for for tablet you know you <laughs> well, know what yeah. i mean just there's, there's but it's a full service and it's like yeah and with
1: some real you know hugely experienced therapist many of them have got lived experience Mm -hmm. um you know a clinical team um Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean obviously after the gmc went after helen and mike they then moved offshore because having a uk-based company was just wasn't safe um and they wouldn't have been able to continue Mm -hmm. to 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 help all of the people um Mm -hmm. that we're currently helping um but yeah i mean it was it was very much a come and work for us. And I was, I was a bit like, okay, well, let's see, let's see what this is like. And let's see what, what we can achieve. And one of the things that I did as soon as I sort of came on board is they created what's called the fund a a Mm -hmm. couple of years ago when um, Kira Bell took the Tavistock court and got that court order, they created Mm -hmm. the fund as they called it. And that fund then supported um, young people to access private Mm -hmm. healthcare after that, after that, went and basically yeah. the NHS just stopped, stopped looking after yeah. trans kids. Yeah. So, but it wasn't really set up right. It wasn't done in mm. the right way. It, it well, you know, yeah, this, they didn't have the experience of running like a charitable, yeah, sort of initiative. So, that's what I've taken a, on mm. when I've gone into Gender GP is creating a fund, um making sure that the mechanisms are in there so that it's transparent that we can show where the money's going um but that fund just covers healthcare from gender gp so we had we opened it with the youth fund that gained about 40 we're on about 14 and a half thousand in the youth fund and then mm. we had a streamer um finster um, oh yeah and, yeah yeah is. and they gave 50,000 us dollars yeah to, finster's
0: massive
1: yeah, yeah to gender gp and but that was like that's for adult that's for adults because what they said in, and, and it's quite right is that their content is very much of adult content. Yeah. So that 40 grand, what it equates mm. to in, in like GB pounds is, 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 is held back just for trans adults of 18 and over. So, um, but I mean, it's still great, but there's, there's still ongoing work that needs to happen to maintain mm. that fund, to keep bringing money in, to ensure that when we get to the, so I budget for like a year's worth of care, so, so when they get to the end of that year that they're not going to suddenly stop getting care. So fundraising and ongoing initiatives around how are we going to make this fundamentally something that, that we can continue to give. And also things like shared care. How do we get more GPs to do shared care? So it costs the patient less and then the fund doesn't have to cover as much money because the yeah, NHS yeah. services are picking it up. So that,
3: that point you make about shared care and, and you know, GPs, I mean, it's very, it's a very Relevant point because a lot of them don't want to do shared care plans with private sector no. companies like Gender GP. I know my original GP wouldn't do that; refused, said they would they they want to wait until mm. you know, I'd got to the right stage with with Sheffield at the time. Well, I had a, and, I had a very. But then when weird, I changed to Indigo, yeah. you know, yeah. things went through quickly, and I managed to get NHS. Yeah. Yeah. Everything I had, very, I had a very through Indigo and NHS, and then I actually. You know, I left gender GPs care at that point because it was yeah. didn't need any more help. But one of the other things that was problematic with gender GP at the time was that when you you know if you needed things like um, gender recognition certificate reports, medical reports, gender GP weren't able to offer those at the time because they didn't have they weren't on the official list. You know the you know so there there was difficulties around getting everything you needed from gender GP. So there was some things you mm-hmm. could, although they were trying to resolve that, they, they didn't have, you know, the people in place to do some of those things. Um, I don't know what the situation is now, obviously, because I'm I'm no longer a customer, client, patient, whatever you call this, um, at this stage. So has that has that now changed? Is that now something that you could get as a as a patient with gender GP?
1: There's. Um off the top of my head i don't actually know um whether you can get like gr so i know that we do a lot of surgi- surgery so it was
3: the it was the medical reports that were yeah yeah. i mean
1: days. we do a lot of surgery reports so we'll do so like you were saying yeah, surgery reports, that so. you got like you you needed yeah a, we we do a lot of those yeah and mm-hmm. we've got very um experienced trained counselors and say we've lived experience etc so it's not you know it's mm-hmm. not just a dispensary that's not that's uh, not what gp yeah. is but um but, you know, I think obviously Helen's view is that we should be able to provide everything that any uh, that a trans person needs, a point of access mm-hmm. into gender GP. Um mm-hmm. so she's constantly looking at ways to add to what we do, yeah. how we do it, what we can deliver. Mm-hmm. I don't know specifically about the GRC. Um, yeah, it's, it's I'm not, so I'm not
3: sure where the person who's doing the report has to be. on On the g the gmc list so you know it was very difficult for them to do that at the time because of the troubles Mm. that going on
0: you see i had a really interesting one that sorry i was gonna say because when i first went to my obviously it's a bit of a complicated story with me because when i was young my mum tried to help me and and i sort of detransitioned and then it took me a long time to come back so when i came to the doctor like three or four years ago my doctor really wanted to help like uh she'd known me for quite a while she knew i'd spoken to her and she said I can't do anything because I, I, I can't prescribe. I can't. You have to go through the gender clinic. Now, she would have wanted, if you could have assessed me, and because she's known me, she knows I'm. You know, this is what I want. And I would think if the GPs could be more of more information, that would be so much easier. Because, because like I feel like we have to go through so many hoops and jump over so many hurdles. I think a, it, I think
3: a GP can prescribe, but yeah, it, they can. But they're, no, no, they're but, not but initially, because they've got no support. They don't know, initially my don't know anything GP about it. So didn't
0: have any, like you were saying, they're not trained in gender dysphoria and without a psychiatrist or a psychologist's report. They're very nervous, aren't they, to do anything
1: like
3: it's be, that? It's, so. because, it's because that the, the GMC will come after them yes. legally. Or well, maybe do. not now. After yeah, I mean, Helen's
1: been vindicated, I think... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's different her, now.
3: Helen, yeah, I mean, now. Helen's that, been through that, has changed a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, I
1: mm-hmm. think that what we need now is a few, like, brave GPs yeah. to put mm-hmm. their heads above the parapets, yeah. because yeah. the chances of them being, you know, mm-hmm. them them being pursued by the GMC is, like, obviously okay. they... It, with Helen, literally, the medical tribunal have said your thinking was flawed. We don't, you know, this, this, this should, she should never have, have had to go through this, and that she's been vindicated mm-hmm. and her healthcare yeah. has been held up as, as like really progressive and, as I say, at the vanguard of. Mm-hmm. So you think about those kind of things, you think, hopefully, somebody somewhere. It's like, I've got a special interest in this. I'm going to learn about this. I'm maybe going to do a WPATH course. I'm going to look at the endocrine guidelines. I'm going to look at the WPATH Mm -hmm. guidelines. I'm going to look at what needs to be done. I mean, GPs prescribe every day things that are 100 times more toxic than HRT. And they'll give HRT to to people who come through the door without hesitation. Exactly. but they won't prescribe exactly the same thing just because it's a trans person and Mm. i think you know you've got to look at the reasoning behind that and a lot of that is fear of persecution and it's the the mental mental health stigma stigma. and the mental health yeah the mental health stigma yeah but i mean gender dysphoria gender incongruence is not a mental health issue
3: exactly Mm. yeah at that point that point i made about medical reports you know that like um gender gp was having trouble doing that i mean That's no different for Indigo. Indigo can't do it either, you know, and they're an NHS organisation. Well, they're a private they're a private organisation, but they've been, you know, they're outsourced. Given the yeah yeah, outsourced by the NHS, so they can't do it either. They have to refer it off to um, I think it's Nottingham GIC, which is their kind of parent Mm -hmm. GIC. So you know, it's not just just gender GP that can't do that. You know, somewhere like Indigo guy either, which is shocking, really, when you think about it. Um, but it does all, all these
0: things. They never reduce the amount of trans people that need help. It's like it, it, oh. it's that that's rising because I think it might be there's more social acceptance. There's better, Like young people are able, able to communicate more easily. Like when I was younger, you know, it was like the Internet was fairly new and it wasn't like everybody's connected on TikTok and everything like they are now. So I think what it is, is younger people are seeing living, people living happy lives who just happen to be trans. And that is the most positive thing, isn't it? Because, because, because like, for, for us, we're 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 entrenched in these things like the GRA reform, self ID, whatever bloody Graham Linehan's up to. But for young people, they uh-huh, don't, yeah. they don't. Sometimes even when I talk to my sister and I try and explain, she goes, "Oh, well, don't leave that alone. No, dude, leave those lunatics." <laughs> But because we are sort of entrenched in it all the time, we feel like this is the world, but it's not. It's a tiny minority of people that have managed to get a lot of media power, and I think that's the that's right. That's the perception of trans people. But like you say, like there's more people coming out. If that's not there it's not working is it it's not it's working not, out for them
3: it's still not working there's still not the capacity in the nhs to deal with it i mean they've, yeah. they've introduced these new pilot schemes i think there's four or five of them now mm. and the talk you know we've heard all these talking about the new regional centers to replace the tavistock uh gids i mean what's your what's your view on those two things um susie so it,
1: it's been an not to be too Like it's been an absolute shit show. So they gave Mm -hmm. notice of closure to JIDS and they gave it to them like literally the day before they went public with it. So literally they had no notice. They served them with um, notice of closure and they were Mm -hmm. meant to close within a few months. They're still open and they're still going to be open for a while. They talked about these new regional hubs. Yeah. Again, when? I mean, yeah. you know, we're hoping that we might see the first one towards the end of this year, and then the second at the beginning of next year. But they said they'd be up and running by spring twenty twenty three. Well, everything I mean, the no, and now
3: they're also talking about changing the the way that they, you know, do the prescribing. It's on a. It's only you have to be part of a
1: part of a clinical trial. Yeah, the clinical, new yeah. service specifications that they have brought out that sort of supersede the 2016 service specification that was entirely based on evidence that that replaced, um, age with stage of puberty, etc. introduced blockers at mm. TANA stage two to three. Um, they've just completely reversed all of that and they've gone into mm. a, you're not going to get blockers unless you're part of a, a research study, which is a highly unethical yep. because it basically is forcing people into forcing that study. People if, people if, people want, people. if they want, if they want care, mm. they have, said that you know if you go private then Mm. you might end up being referred to social services i mean i I don't Mm. know how social services think they're going to deal with that and and, you know social workers are like why on earth would they refer us
2: yeah why
1: you know you know the the ability to go private is is basically enshrined in nhs in the nhs principles but why and again it's different but it's only different for trans people they're talking about social transition so literally somebody changing their hair changing their gender expression mm-hmm. maybe using different pronouns and maybe changing their name they're talking about that not being a neutral act and sort of implicate implying that it could be dangerous
2: yeah exactly. and
1: how are you going to police what a young person wears
2: yeah exactly. what, how
1: they style their hair whether they grow it or whether yeah. they cut it yeah, exactly. and so it's like we're getting back into gilead you know we're looking yeah. <laughs> at <laughs> kids and going right okay you can't look like that
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: because yep. you're not allowed to socially transition. Yep. And yep. now we're seeing school guidance yes, leaked in the sun a couple of days ago where they're yeah, in yeah. saying
3: Sunak. Saying that you, me, can't, once you again, can't transition it, all in these school. things are connected in, in my mind. All
1: all connected. And again, like this this politics mm. of distraction, well, you know. The interesting but yeah, the, it's yeah. terrible, terrible. The
3: interesting
0: thing to me about that story that's like, you know, about the the, the it's this guidance, you know. So so it's like could it not be that it, children just ask questions? And when children ask questions, you've got to have good answers. And it's not teachers forcing anything on kids because you can't make somebody trans, no matter how much these people think you can. So the children are already asking the question. They're bringing it to the classroom. They'll say, miss, miss, I've heard about you can be 1,200 genders. So if the teacher doesn't know how to have that conversation, then the, maybe that's why the guidance sex should exist. It shouldn't be to stop people expressing themselves. It should be to encourage that, because if you stop it, you shame people. You make people feel shame. And this uh, and and this story that came into the press about these two schoolgirls bullying a child, it because when when the government becomes the bully, what authority do teachers have to, to stamp out bullying? And then it, then it has a knock on effect on the children because they get. They can be emboldened if they have parents that believe things in the Daily Mail. And then we had the, I mean, I know it's an extreme example, but what happened to Brianna Jai? That that was a 16-year-old girl, and it there were young people. They they were school-aged children that committed that atrocity. So don't tell me, Rishi Sunak, that what you say doesn't have any effect on you know, real people's lives because it does. And and this is why it gets me going because when, when people make these, when journalists write these stories, they filter down to people's homes. Those newspapers come into people's homes. It comes onto people's phones. And they start to think of trans people as a problem to be fixed. So school kids, if there's a trans kid, they go, oh, that's one of them trans who, who the government are trying to fix. And it's like, no. You know, you've got to have positive role models. That's why we have you.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we've still got these three big issues, haven't we, to deal with. We've got the um, the Scottish GRA reform, self-ID, which is still a massive issue, unresolved. We've got, you know, the Equality Act definition of sex, the, the government's trying to change with the EHRC, back and forth, back and forthing. And we've got the... um. Mm. The other issue of um, the oh, equality act. No, not the equality act. The um, conversion.
0: Oh, conversion. Yeah. But, well,
3: yeah. it's not therapy, is it? It's practices yeah. conversion. I practice. don't. We don't call it therapy now. We don't call it therapy because it's not therapeutic. Um, so, I mean, do you want to talk, do you want to talk on those three issues, Susie? I know the very big issues. Um, should we start with the Scottish GRA reform? I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, that's the fact that the. That our government, yeah, stop it. Section thirty-five to yeah. stop it. I think is absolutely disgusting. It is. Mm. You know, that was probably one of the most, they're saying, you know, it consulted upon pieces of legislation that the Scottish government have brought in ever. And for you know, for Westminster to block it, I think it's again, it, it you know, thirty P. Lee was saying that you know it, we're gonna yeah, we're no, gonna no. do we're gonna do the next general election. Mm. We're gonna fight it on woke issues and yeah. trans rights are going to be yeah. one of them mm-hmm. so they're literally saying we're going to use one of the most vulnerable populations who are subject to the most discrimination and prejudice mm-hmm. and we're going to leverage their pain and their suffering and we're going to pick on them even more than we already have done just so that we can divert from the fact that we're absolutely fucking shit yes exactly. you know, that's it well, so. that's it that's well, so. it and it's just disgusting and all of this stuff around you know the EHRC we've got
0: oh Ben Hunt's article
1: yeah you know Kemi Badnock talking to the EHRC Baroness Faulkner it just makes me feel sick I mean yeah, literally, these people, that that organization, thought, yeah. that
0: organization is corrupt now and the way they try to yeah. play in the press is poor Baroness Falconer she's oh you know yeah, yeah she,
1: we've uh,
3: we've seen all the stuff that's been going on on the HRC over the past know,
0: those years. people right just for the people on the podcast those people are bought and paid for they're not your friends right they they're, they're not people that are working for any well, human rights the
3: HRC is supposed to be an independent organisation that's been totally take, taken over completely by the Tories. You know, that is, that is totally wrong. It's well, they they had to get
0: somebody from the UN to come over and intervene, didn't yeah. they? What was it called? Victor Borilus? Victor Ma- yeah, Victor yeah. Madrigal.
3: Victor.
1: And then uh, he's basically come away from here and gone, wow. Yeah. You know, no wonder the UK are falling down the index in terms of equality and human rights and has come back with some really like damning stuff around the EHRC is meant to protect people's rights. But instead, mm -hmm. you know, they're looking at rolling back trans rights and this, mm -hmm. you know, what they're trying to do with this, you know, this this changing the the, uh, definition of of sex will affect everybody who's got a GRC as well as people who don't. so, yeah, I think it's disgusting and it's it's very cynical mm. and it's but all, based... all the,
0: yeah, all the arguments of sex matters don't weigh up at all in a social reality because all the arguments require all every single argument requires there to be a threat from somewhere. And the threat is trans people. And it doesn't matter. You can have all these arguments about sports and uh, prisons and single sex spaces. And then we're sure if you have a, an argument, you know, you can find instances where we have to uh, safeguard and those things already exist. But, but you'd think if you, if you listen to any of these people that trans women especially are just an imminent danger to society. That's the, that's the level of debate they have. So it's really hard to have, like, when I've been on sometimes TV debates with these people, you know, on talk TV or whatever. I'm not going to sit there in front of you and defend my identity. Do you know what I mean? You are, you are absolutely abhorrent to me. But I've got to have these conversations with these kind of people because I, what I want, because sometimes I'm the only trans voice in that space,
3: and, uh, and so it's, it's quite important to be. It's quite lonely. It's important sometimes. to have a trans voice in those spaces. You know, mm. as terrible as those spaces are, mm. you know, we do have to have representation. Mm.
0: But then then again, the entertainment side of media now, it's like it's not really about news anymore. It's about clickbait. It's about vexation. It's about creating, you know, endless streams of uh, headlines. People don't read the articles. I'm they're
3: convinced just... there's a trans version of um, Cambridge Analytica.
0: There is, yeah, they're
3: definitely I'm convinced in. of it. There's I a machine. Know, I just don't know where it is. A, I think it's probably a com- based a, inside. Yeah, yeah. Tufton Street.
0: There is. There's a computer in Tufton Street that puts out tweets <laughs> every day with yeah. the word transgender in. For
3: so them, <laughs> I mean, you know, we've seen we've seen the government have have I think once again kicked down the road the uh, conversion practices ban. um I'm not sure what's going on with that at the moment. I've not heard anything.
1: So it's gone into the it's gone into the Prime Minister. So apparently Rishi Sunak is looking at it at the moment. But unfortunately, yeah. one of the issues. Sorry, I'll just turn that off. Um sorry, somebody's trying to phone me in, even though my phone's on silent. There we go, it's gone. Anyway. It's okay. Sorry. Um, so it's gone into Rishi Sunak. <laughs> Rishi Sunak is meant to be looking at, but they've put a clause in. That basically says that if the person volunteers for it or says they want it, then conversion therapy can go ahead.
0: Yeah. So what's the point of that?
1: So what's the point? What's yeah. the point? Because you know, if you're if you're a if you're mm. a kid and you're in a position where your family is saying you have to have this, mm. then you're coerced into it, regardless of whether or but yeah. but you'll agree to it because you you don't yeah. want to let down your family and you want to be you know you want your family to love you mm. and not reject. I you. mean, so I, know, it, it, it's, it's an interesting
0: it's File. It's an interesting thing with trans and the, the idea of conversion things because because what it is to me, it's when you're not affirmed. When That is where it starts because like I, I uh, trans people, I, I speak for myself. But when when I noticed the way my sister's needs were met, it wasn't me wanting to wear a dress. It wasn't me wanting to wear makeup. I was like five or six, but I noticed the way my sister's needs were met and what was affirmed about her identity and what was denied. And it is that. That is this so when you talk about conversion you're not you don't need enough to do anything really it's just say deny boys a certain way of behaving or you deny and it's it's almost subconscious because you know obviously parents want to know the sex of a baby before it's even born so they'll start decorating their bedroom in a certain way and it's like these things are sort of a subconscious thing aren't they with with some parents I think that they they affirm they affirm feminine things in girls and masculine things in boys. And if you're trans, then you pick up on it very quickly because you think, oh, my God, I don't know. I don't, why is my dad suddenly trying to get me to be in a military uniform and things like this, you know? So you pick up on it. It's like really because that was like my dad. but uh, But you pick on it really quickly. And 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 nobody can tell you what it is that thing because you have this idea they'd like to say oh gender woo woo yeah yeah gender woo woo let's call it that because I'll tell you what it's as real as anything else to me and I don't you don't have to be a psychiatrist you don't have to be any kind of uh, scientist you just have sometimes if you can't explain something because obviously like trans people have this problem of having to describe their own experience all the time but you're not always an expert in your own condition you can only read about why you feel a certain way so sometimes this thing comes up about oh i feel like i'm trapped in the wrong body that's a legitimate thing to feel but but because it gets it because it becomes a bit of a cliche and people mock that then that, well, maybe that's the only way that person knows how to express it it's a really
1: it. simple way to explain it to yeah 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 well. it's and a that's really fine. simplified way to explain no, it to it you... other people and that's fine and if that's your truth yeah. and your reality and that's that's what my daughter says yeah you know she's yeah, like exactly. you know this 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 is my body but I've had to fix it to reflect who I am yeah
0: mm-hmm. so- See, my, my 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 take on that is that we're all born in the wrong body and the fact that some people feel it more because obviously there are there's lots of medical problems people can have with the body the body is always going to fail you no matter how healthy you think you are so so the body is something we all like philosophically and like, I try to escape from. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle, like a lot of girls especially struggle with physical thing when you know, things about self-harming and things like that. And they these all get thrown in by people that are anti-trans as a kind of, you know, weapon towards that. But actually, no, these are things that we need to talk about. And if you prevent people talking about them or well, you give them a sense of shame, they never will. They're never, they're never going to be able to. And it's the same thing with a trans person, you know, with their body. Like I felt really conscious about my body and talking about it because it just felt icky, you know? Mm. So, yeah.
3: so, to, you know, body positivity that's what yeah. I'm spreading. We're almost getting to the end of the session now. And I think Susie, you know, we've spoken about a lot of issues there. And I think a lot of trans people are feeling, very much under the cosh at the moment with all what's going on you know there's lots of terrible mm. things on twitter there's you know the government's against us media's against us mm. it's, it's difficult to find some positivity you know apart from you know when we're talking to people like you and nancy the other day and you know i was down in chippenham pride and you know i've met you down in um uh brighton trans pride last year we, we were sat outside at some bar drinking some cheap two for two for one cocktails, I think it was, <laughs> with Jason Potts. I mean, that was, you know, those are the kind of joyous things that we we can do. Um but, you know, I I wonder, you know, we we Frieda and I we talk about activism quite a lot and what we can do and what's effective. And we I think we kind of came to the conclusion that everybody should do what they're comfortable with. Some some do more, some do less, you know, some mm. do what people do what they feel they can do based on there, so. Well,
0: uh, I was going to say, Vicky, my activism is kind of like public speaking, and I do a bit of poetry and stuff. Public like that. She wants, so to, this, she wants to this, buy
3: a tank and go down to Tufton Street and spray rainbow I, and water. I, I'm I'm
0: performative. Like I come from I'm, my my education is in art and performance, so I'm always thinking about this. But this brings me. You know, when I said I donated some money to mermaids. Oh yeah. Well, well this you came missed. about because I I was doing a show and I needed a and I always wear something that is like a conversation piece, and I purchased. Uh, a t-shirt from the Standing for X shop that said woman, you know, the one that says woman, I've got it here actually. And I said, "If by uh, for, for, for payment for the gig, I will donate to Mermaids. And so if I can do it in this t-shirt, because obviously people associated, I don't want to be associated with that person, but because I'm reclaiming it, it says woman on it. I am, I'm a woman and yeah. I did this show and, uh, and people donated to Mermaids. So
3: that's how that's how it came about, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I guess my what I was leading to there before we went down a bit this, of a tangent there, a little <laughs> tangent there. Um, do do you have a message for the trans community? What would you say to us? You know, at this kind of where we are today with all this mess going on, what would you, you say? Know,
1: I I think I think like just remember that these things go in cycles and it will get better. But I think the thing that I would really like to say is to all of the the cisgender people out there, allies are so important right mm-hmm. now because mm-hmm. trans people are just feeling so victimized, mm-hmm. subjected to so much hate and and it's I think it's hard to keep your optimism going within this. So we yeah. need yeah. this allies yeah. to stand up. We need mm-hmm. the cis allies who are the parents that 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 are the brothers, the sisters. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we need them to stand up because. If they don't, the trans population mm. is small and yeah. they're vulnerable, yeah. and we but need the... to be standing up and and yeah. basically standing up for people and going, this isn't right, and this yeah. is not about whether or not trans people should be trans. People, but but just be, be a decent fucking human being. For exactly. God's sake. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. It's
0: about empathy, and some people just lack it, like that empathy. And I think
3: most trans people I know are feeling pretty exhausted and and worn out with it all. You know. Yeah. So it's
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Exactly. You see, uh, the problem with me is I'm very, I'm kind of analytical, and I, I like watching parliamentary debates, and I like breaking them down into points and working out the argument. And I have to, I've, I've got, I get to a point where I think, gosh, I've got, I have no life. <laughs> yeah, you,
3: you need to know. take breaks, Frida. You need to take breaks. Absolutely. I've
0: got, I've got people helping me right now. I've got uh, my friend uh, Siosa. She helps. Me. A bit of a shout out to her for helping me. But yes. Yeah, so...
3: So yeah and I
1: think I think just reach out to to each other you know yeah reach out to each other talk to each other support each other um and I mean that I mean that like I mean obviously I'm part of lots of online groups that have like parents carers etc um and I do a, a lot of sort of support within those environments talking to other people acknowledging the fact that this is you know th- this is this is just part of being human being trans is just part of being human in much the same way as you've got blue eyes or, or brown eyes. It, this is just mm-hmm. part of the the natural makeup of people and to stop, you know, in terms of, as I say, cis allies need to stand up, trans mm-hmm. people, please
3: mm-hmm.
1: take, you know, mm-hmm. take note that this will not be forever. And, well,
3: yeah, you know, if say we, say get, that...
1: if we get them fuckers out of yeah, number yeah. 10. That's yeah. Yeah, and we and we get in a more progressive government who will stand. I mean, a little bit like yeah, a bit worried about what's coming, but I think it it can't be as bad as what we've got. I mean, I mean, it's been it's been
0: it's a lot of this rot set in with the Brexit because they had to bring people on board that they probably would not have had to, and it's like the DUP and all those kind of. Well, I mean, the Tories have made
3: an absolute mess of the past three, four years, haven't they? You know, going back, starting with Brexit and all the other shit that's happened. And I mean, it's, I mean, it's I about time it all ended. I don't think we need to get into a Brexit discussion, but, you know, <laughs> it's time to get rid of the Tories. That's what we need to do. So, Yeah,
1: absolutely. Get rid but of interestingly,
0: the Tories. Interestingly, I, I, when I've written to politicians, the one of the ones that wrote back to me most positively was, was Caroline Noakes. She's oh no, she's not, great. She's
1: probably the she's only. Great. I can forgive her for being a winner. Tory because she's
0: great. And she you said, "Because what it was, I was explaining to her uh, because I'd seen her on the telly, and I wanted, I just wanted to say thank you in a way, just thanks for standing for us, and because it's unusual for a Tory to do that." And uh, and I said, "I'd had a lot of trouble. I'd try to speak out, and when I'd worked, you know, because of my job, and people would try and get me in trouble and all this." And I said you know she because I know politicians get it all the time it must be absolutely I mean for us it's like on just on Twitter it's bad enough but if you're like a public figure like you you're I mean I consider you to be a public figure and you know politicians it, it, they must have to have a team around them to to monitor all that stuff because I couldn't you know you know I've only stuck my neck out a little bit because I was on you know I've been quite visible but even that tiny bit of visibility made people really angry against me and twist my words and take me out of context and all that. It's terrible. And uh, so to be on here with you, it's like because we did have a discussion, didn't we, Vicky? So, oh gosh, we're going to get loads of negative comments and
3: we're we going to handle this. I don't but- care about getting negative comments because we've had amazing guests on. I do not yeah. care about that. You know, yeah, that's, that's, yeah
0: no I just think we do we do factor it in. We do factor it into yeah. our
3: so um, thank you so much Susie for coming on and doing this. It's been amazing. Yeah thank you thank you and it's lovely to
0: speak and not, to you. And not that's not
3: just a thank you for coming on in the podcast. It's also a thank you for all the amazing work you've done with mermaids and are doing mm-hmm. now you know with Gender GP. So oh yeah I'm not finished yet. You, you yeah. know
1: no matter no matter whether they were celebrating when uh, after after obviously the news of me no longer being a mermaid's mm. head,
3: there mm. were lots
1: of celebrations from uh, you know across the uh, yeah. Turfdom. But yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they yeah. they're just they're just.
3: They're nasty. No, here's yeah. the here's yeah. the evidence. Susie Green is yeah. alive and well and fighting fit. So
0: yeah. they, they they hate it when you succeed and you succeed many times over. So they they they're they're just in their little pits in pain. And yeah. that's Never, you know they're never going to change i don't think and you know we can only hope for the future
1: do you know something there's still so much work to do around information around combating the misinformation the the, the the sort of like the deliberate lies that are told to to you know sort of push this narrative of, of kids being forced down pathways it's mm-hmm. that it's so It's just, it's not the truth. The the truth is actually very different and we need to keep standing up for people's autonomy and the right for them to be themselves and to not have to apologise for it either. Why the fuck should either of you or my kid or me as a parent have to apologise for the fact Um, that She's mm. not a cisgender
0: person. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I, I'll tell you an interesting an interesting story. I've been trying to contact. I do a I do a blog, and I've been writing. And I was thinking, how can I get my stories into the in more mainstream? And I've been writing about an a, a, a journalist called Mick Wright, who he used to he writes for the Byline Times. I'm 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 not sure you've heard of Byline Times. Yeah, he, I do. yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was writing something, and he picked up on something I'd written, and it was like, oh my god, a real journalist is interested interested in something I've written. And I said, and he said, and and all he did, he tweeted something and he got, because he's quite a well-known journalist, just for supporting me.
1: Massive pylon. Massive pylon.
0: And Graham Linehan retweeted him. And I'm saying, I said, so I'm so sorry, Mick. I said, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. And that's the kind of journalists
3: we need. Yeah, we need more people like that. Yeah. Yeah. know yeah, well, look at yeah, kirstie also
1: the... kirstie also yeah um you know she she, tw- she posted up and was like actually the the fact that i'm getting so much hate shows me that i'm on the right track and graham yeah. Linehan, this yeah. is good though okay so graham Linehan posted up oh my goodness you need to look at susie green and the fact that she mutilated a 16 year old son and and then my mm. daughter then posted underneath went oh my god really that's wild
0: <laughs> that's it no, so, so, so is jackie on social media because i because yeah. i, I know i wanted to talk about her but I, you know you're a very private family obviously she's, and...
1: um, yeah she is and she's actually streaming so she's on twitch so she's right. um, an instagram jackie going to so right, well, that's, I'm gonna follow. yeah go and have a look on twitch but yeah jackie pie crust but she's not a she doesn't talk very much about trans issues yeah. if at all um you know, she had, she did a little, she did a little uh, thing the other day where she got uh, one of her younger brothers on and they were looking at husbands for the pair of them, <laughs> um, which was quite funny. Um, but, you know, so she she does, she talks through, but she is thinking about doing some stuff around mm. like her childhood, the sort of things that she experienced as an adult.
2: Yeah, because she can look say, back now.
1: Took it, taking pictures like yesterday of, hundreds of people just commenting on her private parts and she's like this is wild Mum. you know yeah, yeah. i'm a fucking yeah. grown up now why are they why are they obsessing about what's in my pants i'm like
0: i know it's because don't it's, ask it's, me sweet. it's That's creepy definitely. as
1: fuck it's creepy as all they're fuck. They're, they're,
0: they're so sex obsessed those people yeah, it's no, like it's the always awesome. always beware of puritans pointing at witches because they're the guilty and when there's a moral panic, as there is, you know, it is because because you've seen with Paris Lees today, all Paris Lees has done is announced that she's done. You know, it's, it's a wonderful thing. She's had a book turned into a TV drama
3: mm-hmm.
0: and somebody retweeted. Oh, but didn't she once say that she used to like getting random sex? And they're like, well, oh, right. So you're going to you're being you're going to punish a woman for liking sex now, are you? And it's
3: like they oh. will use absolutely anything they can. Yeah against us i mean that's that's how they operate mm. so you're, I mean,
1: not allowed, you're, you're not allowed you're not allowed to be if you're vulnerable do not go on social media and uh, twitter stay away from it it's a a hell. It's a hell yeah, whereas me i don't give a shit what they say. they can say what yeah. they like about me i, I know what i'm doing i know what i'm doing is important to that's so many a brilliant people.
0: that's a brilliant note too so we, we have a little you...
3: tradition at the end of the podcast where we, we have to sing a little song and it's right. very simple <laughs> And we never get it right. We haven't got so it, it right it's only yet. It's only a few words. It's don't forget to subscribe. That's all you okay. have to do. And the joke so, is... We are, you always prepared to, you, are you prepared to join in with us? It's like, it's very... I, can, I can join in. Okay, you, so might, you
1: might be quite asking me. I think
3: it, Reed is going to give us a demonstration. Yeah, and then I've got to say, to um,
0: Nancy Kelly did the best one we've ever done. So you've got to... But to be fair, they've well, 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 all well, been rubbish. So it goes, don't forget to subscribe. So I'll count with you. you ready? One, two, three. Don't, Don't forget, forget to, to subscribe. subscribe. Oh my gosh, that was brilliant! I think we nearly topped. It's, oh, just it's you. The harmony's going. I, it's I think it's funny. you, Vicky, that can't do it. I think it's <laughs> yeah, it's probably not very good. To <laughs> right. Okay, well it was lovely, and thank you for taking this time because I know you're super busy and you've got so much on your plate. And thanks for talking. No, it's so been it's... an absolute pleasure and great Thanks to for talking, because you. You, you've opened my eyes to a lot of
3: the work. Yeah, a keep... lot of really useful. And I'm, and what, um, yeah, so thank you. And I think. If you want to come back on, let us know, Um, no problem. I'll we'll... oh,
1: just ask me, I'm fine to talk about anything. So, uh, okay. and I think now it's wine o'clock. I think, I think what we should do, <laughs>
3: we should get you and Nancy on at the same time and see, see what we can do.
1: <laughs> yeah, Nancy's great.
3: Yeah. yeah okay. All right. I shall sign us off there. Thank you very much.
1: Okay. Bye
3: for now.
2: Bye.